condition. But you got to think you can beat everybody else. And if you're hurt, you don't always think that. Johnson thinks that again, although Cooper thinks otherwise. <laughs> Unbelievable. What a pass. A great block pass. He just drove to the inside of Johnson. Johnson never had a prayer. He could have turned it up another 1,000 RPMs and wouldn't have caught it. Now side-by-side side for these long doubles. And Johnson squirts to the inside. Gives Cooper a little bit of a bump. They both stay upright. And look where Jeff Ward is. Look at him come down that set of whoops. He's Whoa, got a little different Lord, angle. And he's under Johnson. A perfect block pass. A perfect block pass. He just drove to the inside of Johnson. And Johnson, I, I don't think he knew Ward was there. He's run that line about the last three laps. He comes across those whoops at an angle. Traditionally, you run them straight. A Pulp MX Network production. A series of the most exciting action imaginable. Welcome to the Leanne Re-Raceables on PulpMX.com. Mathis and Weege revisit the instant classics from yesteryear, spotlighting those historic moto moments that simply never grow old. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Liet Re-Raceables podcast. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Please uh, check out Liet website, and uh, if you want to save from them, use a code that I will send you via the contact form at pulpamex.com to support the folks at Liet. Liet Re-Raceables podcast, always here for you, and different people ride for different reasons. Uh, but there is a common denominator that binds everyone who puts their body in the line for the sheer enjoyment, and this is what Liet stands for. They make protective wear, helmets, goggles, riding gear, knee braces, boots, and neck braces, covering riders from head to toe for both moto and mountain bike. But what Liet really stands for is a promise of things to come. Check it out at Liet.com. Of course, uh, the official gear of the uh, Moto Concepts guys. And, uh, yeah, and also to the Solitaire guys last year, wore Liet and crushed it. So thanks to those guys for coming on board this podcast. Great stuff. You know they used to make that, uh, the, the, well, they still make the original neck brace. It's been redesigned, reworked, and uh, they went off of that into the mountain bike market and into gear and helmets and goggles and boots. Our buddy Chris Kiefer helped develop their flex lock boots as well. So you know the stuff's pretty good. Thank you to those guys for coming on board. Lee at Re-Raceables Podcast, Scott Goggles, Max's Tires, Pro Taper Bars, Guts Racing, all on board with us also to talk about this iconic race the 1990 Atlanta Supercross, and there's only one man who could help me recap this. A man who I, I asked about watching it, and he said, I don't need to watch this race because he knows about it. Jason Wygant, what's up, man? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this, now look, everybody talks about 86 Anaheim. Everyone wants to talk 86 Anaheim. Yeah, sure, 86 Anaheim. Great race. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe the best one-on-one -on -one duel. Maybe I'll call it that. But it is not the best Supercross ever. The best Supercross ever is Atlanta 1990. And I always say that if every Supercross race was similar to this, that would solve everything. Everyone thinks this sport should be bigger and we should all be making millions of dollars more. Me, you, the riders, the promoter. Everybody should be making more money. We would all like to make more money. And the only way to do that would be to make the sport bigger. Well, you can come up with any suggestion you want. Oh, they need better podium interviews. They need to be more open. They need to ride two strokes again. Whatever you want. <laughs> if the racing was this good all the time, the sport would be bigger. This is the ultimate cure. This is eight guys have a shot at winning the race and multiple lead changes and passes, and it goes down to the last lap. This is what every Supercross race wishes it could be. 
Yeah, I, w- I would say so. Um, it has uh, one, two, three, four, five, <laughs> five lead, ch- six lead changes. Six lead okay. changes. Uh, yep. uh, same uh, same gentleman that we'll speak about leads twice. Um, there's lots going into this race. Absolutely. Uh, Dave Despain, Larry Myers, also Dream Team calling it. And we, yep. you and I, uh, we've done a long-form podcast on this season. This is 1990 Atlanta. And the 1990 season is epic also for many reasons. And uh, there's a Throttle for the Gold video on YouTube. I suggest everybody watch it. We did a podcast all about it. It's a perfect confluence of the old guard, the new guard. I mean, just this year, we had Chicken, Bradshaw, Kudrowski, Ward jumping into the premier class. We saw Morocco, that. too. Morocco. Morocco. All we, rookies. All rookies. We had the, the, the old guard, Omera, Ward, Johnson. You had whatever Stanton is, the defending champion, in the middle there, not quite as old as those guys. Uh, Guy Cooper, same as Stanton, a little of the old, uh, of the middle guys. And it was just this. Oh, and also the complete wild card, Jean-Michel Bell, also, who doesn't fit any category. Right. Also. Yes. And Unbelievable. It's an incredible year, and it's great. And we're also going to have Jeff Ward, the winner of the race, uh, come on here to talk about it. So that's great, too. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, what might be the greatest endorsement is Jeff Ward is as legendary as legends get, uh, both in motocross, supercross, and then all the other racing that he's done in yes. Indy cars right. and rally car, whatever you, you name it. He's maybe the most competitive person on earth. So we asked Jeff, we did not come to him, Steve, with this suggestion. Mm-hmm. We asked him pick any race from your career that you want to cover. This was his answer. Yeah, exactly. Maybe there's yeah. no better endorsement. The guy didn't want to cover any of his championship years because he didn't win in 1990. He didn't True. want to cover any title clinching race or any race, yep. you know, that, that yep. he, that he dominated and name them, right? Yep. Name them over the years. Oh no, Ward! He said Atlanta ninety, and and you're right. Is there a better endorsement? There's not. No. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's great for two reasons. It has multiple guys battling for the lead the whole time. No one ever pulls away, and it even has last lap passing for the lead. We've seen both separately, but I don't know if we've seen a race that has a battle the whole time, and it actually gets crazier. As the race goes on, and even, you know, we've seen great races before, but it's like by lap 10 or 11, it's extinguished. Or we've seen a boring race where one guy on the last lap is able to make the move. But this has both combined into one. It does. It has everything that you could want. Uh, also, underrated Atlanta 89, a race I was physically at. My first ever Super, no, second ever Supercross because I was at Miami the week before. Atlanta 89 was another great race with a last lap, uh, lap and a half to go past. And it also involved Guy Cooper. Uh, in, yeah. in, in a great way. So something about this Fulton County Stadium uh, did it, the dirt or whatever. Um, but this 90 season is just, I mean, it's, it's, it's all time, right? Uh, um, this, this, is the, um, uh, this is the fifth round of the series, and it started in Anaheim, and Damon Bradshaw came out like a house on fire, and then he came out uh, as a rookie and won the first two, and then he hurts his ankle in San Diego, he tries to ride Seattle, sits out, is unable to, and comes back for Atlanta. And, uh, yeah, and, and the race is on. But Bradshaw is taking the, the sport by storm at this point in 1990 uh, coming into this race. The only thing that makes 1990 a little bit tarnished in its legacy, I believe it is the most exciting year ever for all the reasons you already listed. The only thing that tarnishes it is 
because Jeremy McGrath wiped the floor with all these dudes just three years later, you know, when we say it had Jeff Potasevich and Bradshaw and LaRocco and Ward and Kudrowski all moving up in the same year, that should look all-time murderer's row. But as it turned out, none of those guys won a single Supercross title. They were all great. Uh, but because McGrath comes along three years later and just wipes the floor with all these guys, leads half of them to retirement and such, that uh, it doesn't stand out the way it should uh, because none of those guys became as all-time as we thought. But in 90, Matasevich and Bradshaw, just for starters, are as good as any rookies have ever been. Bradshaw wins those races right off the rip in his rookie season, and Matasevich leads the points the majority of his rookie season. And you also have JMB, who is also chronically underrated now just because he didn't stick around long enough. Those three guys... In 1990, you're like, oh, my God, the amount of race wins and titles that are going to come from yeah. just Chicken Bradshaw <laughs> and Bale alone. We didn't know three years later it was all going to stop. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a that's a great point. I mean, yeah. think about just Levi Kitchen racing last yeah. year and then now jumping the 450s and winning the first two 450 Supercross yeah. main yeah. events. It's just that's yes. what you got to think about what Damon's doing at this point. He's he's 18. He 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 got second to Kardowski, and then he's out of the 125 class. I'm out. Yep. I I don't care. Yep. I don't want to be here. Watch this, right? Like, it's yeah, just, it's phenomenal. This is Jet Lawrence winning the opener, like Anaheim won, like two years ago, or right. something like that. Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> I don't even know. It, it's yeah. it's you know you you and I are are, are um, able to be friends with Damon and bench race with him uh, off the record, on the record, all this kind of stuff, and I think we still just go like. Dude, you were so bad. You were such a bad dude. And he's just like, yeah, I just wanted to win, man. I, you know, I didn't want to race. I don't want to rate one twenty five class. That was a that was a you know a loser class. That was not, you know, it was just I got to get out of here. Like that was his whole yes. attitude. I got to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I also think if we look back, you know, the one twenty five class had been around five years only at this point, point. Mm-hmm. and I think it was still undervalued. Steve, you probably are happy to hear this. The teams weren't yet interested in keeping good guys having them take dives it was like as soon as we think there's a hint you're ready for 250s we're moving you up yeah we don't care if we're gonna have a four or five rider 250 premier class team we're not that interested in 125 supercross yet and the whole reason we bring this up is this is why you get ward and johnson and omera also with bradshaw and metasovich because honestly if it was today they would have waited two, three more years. Warden Johnson would have been gone. They never would have raced. That's why this season's so good. Yeah, well, you know, my 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 theory of that is is I blame Jeremy McGrath, right? That's my theory on this because <laughs> you've heard this theory, right? He uh, go ahead. He go. was just so dominant for so long on Honda, mm-hmm. Honda and Yamaha where he went. The he had this class on lock, and I think the yep. Japanese bosses were pounding the desk saying, "We we got to win something." And mm-hmm. and because no one could win anything when Jeremy was there, and so therefore let's move John Dowd back down. Let's get that title. Nathan Ramsey, stay down. We need a title. All these mm-hmm. companies were looking for titles because they had to justify their spend somewhere. And so then the one twenty five class became, you know, a thing to win because this McGrath guy won't let us win anything else in the big black class. And the race was on. The arms race was on for uh, a championship. When, when, was it the premier one? Uh, no, but, um, you know, it was it was the next best thing. And so I, that's where I think that's it all started. It all started because think about it. Like 97, 98, 
That's when Dowd got, goes down. That's when Ramsey doesn't move up. That's when these guys, you know, don't get out of there. And that's about the time the OEM started getting tired of Jeremy McGrath winning. Right in the, that, in the thong. That's a good theory. Yeah, yep. I, I really think it was yep. like we got to – Win something to advertise our motorcycle. What and this this guy won't let us win it in a big class. So let's let's try to win small class. And that's that's where I think that mentality came from. And it's just gotten even worse now to the point in 2022 where riders are 30 years old and taking dives and not racing the series to stay down uh, into the small bike class. And really, when you look at the production of the TV show, of the media, of everything, there's no difference between the winner of the 250 Supercross class and the winner of the 450 Supercross class. They get interviewed, they get TV time, they get covered, they get covers, they get everything. There's no difference. Now, you and I know the difference at how tough a 450 class is, but generally speaking, there's no difference, coverage-wise yeah. or anything else. So why not just stay down? And if you watch these, you know, 89 and 90 is the first year of the whole season's on TV. It's on ESPN. If you watch those shows, it is very much a 250 class. Yes, and oh, by the way, we also have 125s. We'll show you some highlights real quick. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so they uh, are not. It's like a 80 20 breakdown, whereas opposed to now we're at like a 60 40 uh, of we, the importance. Are we even 60 yep. 40 on a TV show or on a media scale? Are we are we 52 48? I I don't agree only because you know I, we were just yesterday deciding like hey when are we going to do our Supercross preview shows and all this mm -hmm. stuff for 2023. In the end, the 450 class gets the most heat, the most attention. Uh, even if you gave them 50% of the time, the eyeballs are just more on the class. That's the only reason. Yeah, uh, yeah. you might break down the actual television show time. It might be 50-50, but I can tell you people just don't care as much. But that's the only difference. Uh, it's being treated the same. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Thanks to the folks from ProTaper, ProTaper.com. Of course, that ACF bar has been out and uh, the first carbon fiber reinforced handlebar on the market. And uh, Rockstar Energy Husqvarna guys use ProTaper sprockets and bars, and the Star guys have taken a whack load of wins using the handlebars. So ProTaper.com for more information on that. They, they, they patented the uh, crossbarless handlebar way back in the day, and they continue to elevate and innovate with the cell start device, the ACF bar, and more. ProTaper.com. Thank you to Maxis as well. Maxis Tires, MXSTs, developed by that guy named McGrath and used by A-Raid and Cade in main events and uh, Maxis.com for more information on that. Great uh, light truck tires and mountain bike tires as well. And uh, thanks to Maxis, man. You're going to have a chance to win some light truck tires in Pulp MX Fantasy in 2023. So Maxis.com for more information. Also, too, we each, uh, let's not forget uh, Despain and Myers. Great combo. You, you speak highly of these two. Uh, in the booth, so you're 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 big on that. Uh, absolutely, a huge fan, and uh, I I'm looking now as I'm older. Uh, I, you know me, Steve. I'm not a retro guy. I'm not a retro no. guy. No, nope. I, I love these old races. I grew up watching these races. It doesn't mean that I don't respect what happened. I mean, I was as into it in 1990 as anyone else in 1990. Uh, but I do know that we all, as human beings, have a way of looking back at things from your childhood, pretty much up until your mid 20s. Is always the best of anything, the best music, the best, the best everything. Because, dude, your life's cool and carefree at the time. Um, so, I don't know how much is me remembering the good old days being better than they were, or it's just legitimately good. But yes, the Myers Despain combo, and uh, I think you've even talked about this with Despain in a podcast. It's just two dudes hanging out, laughing, making fun of each other uh, a lot. Mm -hmm. um, the, probably the level of, I don't know, seriousness has probably ratcheted up in, in sports broadcasting. But these guys just seem like two old buddies watching races and taking shots at each other. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I would I would agree with that 100. percent They're really really good with each other. Um, no pit reporter for this one either. These are just these guys um, uh, calling the action. Um, yeah. so, so Atlanta 90. Johnny O'Mara leads early, which kind of is lost in time. I feel like uh, O'Mara leads, uh, and this is his, this is his last year in the sport. Um, he would. Uh, this is a Kawasaki ride that he gets, and O'Mara leads early. We're gonna. Talk about Omero when it comes to the categories as well. Coming up here on the Lee at Rewatchables. Oh, okay, little yes. preview. Yep, okay. little preview. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Bradshaw takes the lead, and you know, again, coming off an ankle injury, this is kind of like you know, also sort of hometown race, right? Southern guy, uh, very popular. You know, this it would seem like Bradshaw oh, yeah. is going to take off, uh, but you know, he doesn't quite do it. Guy Cooper comes up. Um, Cooper triples over RJ and Stanton at one point, uh, going wide over a turn. And, and tripling, they, they, this was a, a, a key spot in, in the race. Whether you could triple on the outside or double single on the inside, uh, Stanton gets in the lead and then goes sideways and loses the lead. At some point, though, Stanton—I looked at the results. I didn't even realize this. Stanton gets uh, 16th. He must yeah. go down later, like because he's kind of in the mix for half the race. You know? Yeah. Um... Because all these guys are already established. Like you're like, oh, maybe Bradshaw's the fastest guy, and Stanton is the champ, right? So what? Each time they get that somebody gets in the lead, because what we're used to in a normal Supercross race, right? You're like, okay, this is probably going to be over now. Like Bradshaw's got the lead, yeah. he's going to pull away. Okay, Bradshaw screwed up. Stanton has the lead. Well, Stanton's probably going to win, right? And he screws up in the whoops, uh, same area that Ward eventually figures out yep. Um, yep. where to make all his passes. But Stanton gets back in it, and at one point he's what fifth, sixth, like right in the yeah, group. You can see him coming around the turns. Yeah, absolutely. I he's, don't know what yeah. the heck happens. Uh, uh, never knew. Guy Cooper yep. leads, and you know, again, Cooper never won a Supercross in his career, uh, yep. riding pretty well this 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 day. Uh, then Cooper stalls, and he stalls. Yeah, he stalls. And, he stalls. and then yep. Bradshaw leads again, and then Mike Kudowski yep. comes out of nowhere, number eleven, mm-hmm. rookie year. And uh, he comes into the mix, and then Kurowski absolutely cleans out Bradshaw, but not on purpose. I don't really uh, grab too much throttle, missed his break. I don't know. Uh, but he takes down Bradshaw, and the best part is he keeps going. He, he gets sideways. He loses a few spots, but only Bradshaw goes down. Um, uh, but then yeah, Kur- he rides right over him. Yes, yeah, basically. basically. But then Kurowski... Yeah. Uh, um, Kudowski, so for for I count Kudowski right here as a leader of the race because he technically is leading the race for, I don't know, half a second, a second. Yes, yes, yeah. I think uh, he was taking the lead as he was tumbling over. Right, right. Uh, him. Yeah, I'll give it to him. I'll give it to right, him. Right, right. So I gave Kudowski one of those lead changes. Uh, but then Mike gets a banner in his bike and a uh, banner caught up in his rear wheel and his brake, and then he blows a turn and he goes down. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's an incredible sequence. And Damon. Oh, yeah, that's right. He takes Bradshaw down. He gets up quickly, but. He has as uh, no. He never Byron actually Robinson. falls. He never actually falls. He gets. That's he right. saves it. He, yes. He saves it. He ends up off the track, but as he gets back on, yeah. As uh, Larry Myers says, he ends up with a mile and a half of course <laughs> extra challenge banner, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, his rear brake's gonna go," and then it dies like on cue. And again, remember they're announcing after the race has happened. Yeah. They're like, yeah. his rear brake's probably gonna melt, and then he goes to the next corner and can't stop. <laughs> and can't stop, and he goes down. And then so after Kudowski does that to Bradshaw, Guy Cooper's back in the lead. Uh, Rick Johnson yep. gets Jeff Ward. Uh, oh, nine minutes in, by the way, one of the guys says, "We got a glimpse of Jeff Ward in the back." Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> got a glimpse. Yep. Uh, got a glimpse. Yeah. So RJ leads for a little bit, and again, RJ wrist injury. He was the he was the baddest dude ever in '89. 
And so this is his comeback to Supercross, and this is you know a point where uh, you know a young Steve Mathis would be like, well, RJ probably will win this because why not? Yeah, his wrist is sore and he's not quite the same dude, but he's still Rick Johnson. Um, so uh, RJ's leading because I mean he gets Wardy, uh, and at this point, I counted. <coughs> I think it was roughly on the video. It looks like um, uh, RJ and Cooper have about a two and a half second lead on Wardy in third. Like it's kind of set at this point. This is maybe 15 in, 15 laps in. It's kind of set. It looks like those two guys are going to be the guys. Um, yeah. Uh, but the Spain says Ward is the man to watch. <laughs> Come <laughs> on, Dave. Analysis. Come on, Dave. Uh, Cooper Cooper went for it. Cooper leads again. Uh, and then, yeah, Co- Wardy, I think Wardy's fitness comes into play here. He's got that line in the whoops that really helps too. But, yeah, I think that, that line really helps Wardy. Um, and then uh, he gets he gets RJ that way. And then he gets Cooper on the last lap, and then he does an epic fist pump over the finish. Uh, and we have talked to you through the years, RJ, because, okay, yeah, RJ uh, has, in one year, the world has completely changed. In Atlanta, 89, he's the best rider in the world. Uh, Wardy isn't even racing because he's hurt. RJ wins the first five races of the year. Uh, he gets beat in Atlanta because he goes down. But there's still no doubt, leaving Atlanta, 89, that RJ is the best rider. And then he gets hurt the next week at Gainesville. And... It's been a struggle ever since. And, um, you know, I think everybody, as you're saying, like a young Steve Mathis, a young me, you're like waiting, like eventually he's going to get it back. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. eventually RJ is going to start dominating. Yep. So when he's in contention to win this, or even when he gets the lead, you kind of are thinking like, all right, Bradshaw could have had it. He crashed. Uh, Stanton could have had it. He crashed. But eventually like RJ is going to get this. This is it. This is going to happen. But talking to RJ through the years, yeah, the wrist was giving out. Um, it, it looks like it's fitness from Ward's standpoint, but I guess as the race is going on, the wrist is going away. And as you see, he stops tripling. He comes up with a double-single combo because mm-hmm. uh, I think the wrist didn't have 20 laps in it. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe yeah. that – Maybe you know, I never thought of that. You're right. He makes that double-single yep. work for him, and, yeah. yeah, maybe it's just a wrist issue. And You're right. Yeah, he, he told me it was yep. giving out uh, in most of these races. Right, so right. he had – if it was a 15-lap race – uh, it was his, but they had five more to go. Yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. right. Uh, and Wardy's fitness really comes on, and that line again, and, oh, yeah. and then poor, poor Guy Cooper, poor Guy Cooper. Uh, uh, I mean, one between, lap away. between this thing, between the Bradshaw one, the Chicken one, uh, you name it, Guy Cooper has led more more Supercrosses late than than any rider who's never won one ever. You look at Lampson, you look at Ferry, uh, Burner. Uh, you know, guys that never won uh, a 450 Supercross main event, and maybe no. Guys... You look at Ferry. No, I do. I do. You a do lot. look at Ferry a lot. Yes. A lot. Yeah. Uh, Pontiac yeah. 02. Um. Anyways, uh, you know, C- Cooper came the closest out of all of these dudes that never won one. That got yeah, him. there's no doubt. Yeah. Um, there are several of these. Um, the thing on Cooper was just the consistency was never there. You never knew <laughs> it wasn't going to happen every weekend, but each year he was good for four or five races yeah. where he was as fast as anyone else it's weird I, I cannot find can you can you find a parallel a guy cooper like guy I, I i feel like no no he's the only i i don't know anyone else i can compare him to i don't know because i think nowadays there's just everything is more uh, skill and more lap times and more consistency yeah. like from everybody uh where back yeah. in this day i think it was well we're just trying to figure out supercross let's just figure this out Right, 
and Cooper. Yeah, so you could just yeah. hang it out like a madman, and five times a year, you were going as fast as the very best riders. And yeah. the other 12 races, you weren't. But, it, yeah, there was more variance, I guess. Yeah. Well, Back then. you know, yep. really, what this, why this race is so epic and why it rules and why people love it, think about it. It's mistakes. Mistakes yes. are made. And it's because you're on two strokes. Um, you're fairly new to Supercross still. Like, when you, when you watch Supercross races, to me, like, 86 is really when Supercross starts recognizing, like, what we see today. Uh, 85, 84, 83, they're more moguls. They're more just rounded jumps. They're whoop, there are smaller whoop sections, blah, blah, blah. 86, 87, 88, you're starting to see triples. And, and, and things like that, and a more modern-looking Supercross to me. Um, you know, in Hannah's days, it was really an outdoor motocross on, laid down on a stadium floor, you know? Yeah, uh, Tabletops and stuff. So yep. um, we had a combination of guys still learning Supercross and figuring it out, and we had guys on two strokes making mistakes, coming up short, getting sideways, not able to clear something, clipping something. And four strokes just – there's no mistakes. The four strokes make it easier, and we just don't see variance nowadays. And it's not even just the two-stroke part. It's in 90, when you're watching this race as it happened, you know, when I'm 12 years old, for example, Supercross doesn't seem new at that time. It seems like a well-established, it's been around forever. We've gone through generations of different champions. You know, Bob Hanna was the great star. He's retired. It feels like the sport has been around forever. But when you really start thinking about, as we said at the top of the show, 125 Supercross, only around five years. It had not become what it had become. It's not just two strokes, but the bikes in general, the, the, the power delivery, the suspension, the chassis, they had only just started, I mm -hmm. think, getting a hand on how you build a bike for Supercross. So, you know, a 2005 two-stroke, uh, it's still a two-stroke, but surely, I mean, you were on those teams, Steve. Surely they were way more dialed but what oh, it took they for a bike to be good at Supercross than they did 90 seems like they had been doing it forever, but they've been doing it for like, what, eight years, 10 years, like really focused on it. Yeah. That's not a lot. Well, you're right. Absolutely. And, 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 but I still think even in 2005, two stroke days, mistakes were still made and that helped the racing. Oh yeah. yeah I agree. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Four strokes are definitely bringing the field together. Yeah. Uh, even the great Justin Brayton has said, you know, if it had been two strokes, I don't know if I would have been, uh, I would have had the career that I ended up having because it did bring guys like that closer to the front. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe James Stewart just goes 18 and 0 or 17 and 0 at some point. Yeah. If they're still on two strokes. Um, yeah, maybe. But, but when you talk to the riders from this era, it's like they didn't uh, skim whoops. We didn't know if we could do it without the fork snapping. Like we didn't know what the <laughs> hell we were doing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that variance, yeah, I think it leads to those mistakes, like you said. Absolutely. Yep. Lee at Re-Raceables. Please check out Liat.com for more information on that. what they got head to toe. They'll have you covered. Thank you to Scott Sports as well. Scott Sports has been providing the best in goggle technology to all motorsport disciplines for over 50 years. Scott, the global leader in innovation, technology, and design. They've always been proud to support racing from grassroots all the way to dudes like Anderson, Pro Circuit, Caleb Russell, Chad Weenan, and more. They all choose the quality product and support from Scott. And Scott is also excited to relive iconic moments in the sport with this Re-Raceables podcast many of which have included Scott Goggles. Scott, the only goggle made in the USA. Thank you to Scott Motorsports for the support. Guts Racing as well. Uh, Pulp 2022 is the code to say with GutsRacing.com. Seat covers, seat foams, complete seats, whatever it is, they'll make it happen for you. You want a gripper one, you want a slider one, you want some graphics, you want to change things up, you want to customize your seat cover. Do what many, many teams in the pits do and choose Guts Racing. 
for all your seat needs. Pulp 2022, code to save with the folks at uh, Guts Racing. Uh, also this night, 125 main event, sounded like a snoozer. I was not able to find it on YouTube. I don't know if you were a Weege. Uh, Danny Stevenson took the win. There's about, uh, we talk about the, the dedication of, uh, you know, 250 Supercross slash 125 Supercross. The write-up for it in Cycle News is about 200 words long. And Danny, <laughs> Danny Stevenson got, th- he was third on the first lap. Uh, and then he got the, then he got the lead on the third lap and he was gone. And there's a quote from him. And Jeremy Buell said, I got a good start and I passed Mike Jones. I just ran out of time. So basically it was, uh, Danny Stevenson and Jeremy Buell and Mike Jones, top three. And Denny would go on to have a dominant season on a factory Suzuki this year. He also wants to thank his dad, Don, who's his mechanic. And <laughs> yeah, so not much going on 125 main event across from the epic 250 main event. No, and uh, I do remember watching this one on TV. It's not on YouTube right now. Uh, oh, well, I've seen it. Yeah, it, that's kind of the way the whole season goes. Denny dominates. Jones is the closest guy to him. They do get into, uh, are you surprised with uh, Debo and Mike Jones that there are some races later in the season where there's some aggressive riding between the two mm, of them? Imagine that, yeah. Shocking. Because I went to, this is how the world's different, I went to the New Jersey race this year in 90, and Jones is just stopping in corners trying to take Stevenson out, like every damn turn. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's like, what is going on? Because this is crazy to think about. You would go to a race and you didn't even know what happened in the previous week's race yet because there's no information. Yeah. No, so, there's nothing. Right. No. I think I maybe knew somehow that like JMB had won the 250 class, but that's about it. You didn't know the details of the 125. Then three months later, the race before the race you went to comes on TV. You're like, oh, Denny took him out, and then Jones is getting revenge. Now I understand three <laughs> months later. <laughs> yeah. M- there, oh. Was it what, – did, did Jersey have an over-under bridge? Do you remember in 90? There's a race with an over-under bridge where Jones is just trying to kill Denny repeatedly. Yeah, that's 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 definitely it. Yeah, all the Jersey tracks had over-unders, but for some reason the 89 track was complete garbage and no over-under. And then, thankfully, they brought it back yeah. uh, for yeah. 90. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that's the 125s. Although, uh, as we'll find out later, the race might have been a snoozer, but Denny still had an exciting night. He did. As always, Denny Stevenson uh, <laughs> kept it exciting. Uh, Lee at Re-Raceables, shall we, uh, shall we get Jeff Ward on the line? Let's do it. And now we're stoked to welcome the Lee at Re-Raceables podcast, the man who won this race that we've been talking about, Atlanta 1990. And as we mentioned, his personal choice to do a Lee at Re-Raceables with us. It's multi-time Supercross and Motocross champion, Jeff Ward. What's up, Wardy? How are you, man? <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We're good. Thanks for doing this. And yeah, man, you could have picked any of your your dominating wins, indoors or out, over the uh, the long career you had, any of your championship clinchers, anything you wanted, Wardy, and you picked Atlanta 90. That, that says it all for this race. <laughs> Yeah, it does. I mean, there's a lot of good ones I had where, you know, you dominate, but those always come easy and kind of expected when you're feeling that good and you are comfortably out front. There's nothing really that surprises you or, you know, that that comes up unexpected. So, yeah, the Atlanta one, I was just tossed around. And, I mean, I had a great start. I think I was third in the picture, like, on the start. But then I don't know what. I mean, I got bumped, and next thing you know, I'm, like, 12th or 13th on the first lap. (laughs) So... I don't know what happened. I, mean, I still don't remember really how I got back there so far. And then um, I just settled in and started picking off guys. And I was just real comfortable that night, too. So, um, yeah, it just kind of all fell my way a little bit. I think I got, you know, I got a little luck with Damon, I think, in Kurdowski, with Bradshaw and Kurdowski going down. 
Kangaline, that would have been two guys that would have been extra hard to get by and probably would have ran out of time, you know, or I would have caught them. Maybe they were the leaders if I caught up. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I got a little help there. Just had some good lines and made some late passes. Uh, we, uh, uh, we, I forgot to ahead, ask you, Steve. uh, mm -hmm. The, the Spain and Myers are doing this race after the, it's happened, right? They're not calling this right. live, right? Yeah, I think they go in, you know, into Atlanta and into the studio, and then yeah, call because it, yeah. because we uh, the Spain is like, oh, there's Jeff Ward about like ten minutes, ten laps in, so right, like <laughs> he he definitely like sort of yeah tells us like, oh, there's Jeff Ward. By the way, keep an eye on that because you can barely yeah. you can barely see you, Wardy, back there. So. Right? Yeah, yeah. I'm like. You know, they're going through the hoops, taking the left, and you can see my fender coming into them, you know, or something. It's like, oh, Wardy looks like he's moving up. Like, they kind of knew what was going to happen. Right, so, right, right, right. I, I, I better put my name in there until there's two laps to go, and then the, all of a sudden I'm like, where'd he come from? And make it look like they weren't even there at the race. Uh, it has to, again, you've won a lot of stuff, but this one and probably Anaheim 86 with uh, Bailey and Johnson, they're the two that always get brought up as best race ever. I think this Atlanta one, this is my favorite. But those are the two that always get brought up. It has to be an extra source of pride to be like, hey, when people mention best Supercross ever, they're probably talking about a race that I won. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was. It was It was just a lot of – I mean, I wasn't in a lot of the action until the last couple laps. So it was a cool race because there was something going on from the beginning. You know, when Cooper's out front or coming up, there's always excitement. Yeah. Um, and then RJ was right there. Then, you know, Osho was up there. There was a lot of, you know, Bradshaw and Kudowski were hitting. And so there was a lot of excitement, kind of like the whole race was going. I was just kind of, I just came in at, you know, at the end of the last five laps to where all of a sudden I think people realized that, you know, I could win it or I am catching them fast enough to, uh, to maybe be up there in the mix. So I had a, I had a good line through the hoops there. I you, found, you did. Uh, yeah, it was just, there was a big couple kickers in there at the end that, I found where if I jumped in and then I, I didn't blitz them because they were, you know, like a V, you know, when you, the faster you go, the faster the back end kind of starts. You can see RJ do that where it swaps back and forth. So I kind of picked the point where I started kind of jumping. Even though I wasn't jumping into hoops, it was kind of jumping into the rut and then getting up above the rut again when you rebound. And I kind of wheelie this one little bump at the end where I could turn to the right and go through the deeper part of the hoops where they were, you know, staying in that V and it just gave me enough to you know, slam the door every time I went in there. And, uh, yeah, it worked out. I mean, it was, uh, I mean, uh, I think, I mean, Cooper should have really deserved to win that race. <laughs> I think uh, I feel bad for it. It was his birthday. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, he stalled, he stalled it in that one corner when he jumped in and hit like Ricky and then yep. skidded to a stop. And that, that, that lost him the race. Cause I really think if that didn't happen, he would have been far enough ahead of Ricky or, you know, if Ricky was still behind him at that time, uh, I wouldn't have caught him. So like I said, a lot of kind of things go my way, but, um, it did make for a, a really good feeling, you know, it's coming across the finish line. Cause it wasn't in my brain. You know, usually when you're winning a race, it's in your brain for the last three or four laps. Like, you know, I got this or I'm, I got a potential to win this. It didn't hit my brain until that last corner before the finish line that, you know, you did it. So you get a lot of emotion and, we, Wardy, we used to, when I was a kid, we would, this race was epic, obviously, and we would do, my buddies and I, we called it the Wardy fist pump. We, yeah, we, the we, triple we, pump. Yeah, we literally yeah. were doing, practicing that as just fun, and like, we're like, hey, watch me do the Wardy fist pump. 
And we would yeah. like, yeah. So you, you patented the warty fist pump up in Canada, <laughs> and, and and we we would all call it that. And even if somebody did it, like at a local race, or we saw another person do it, we're like, he just did the warty fist pump. It was yeah. a uh, it was a great celebration. Yeah, you were so stoked. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like the feeling that if you weren't on a bike, you'd use both hands. You know how you like to both <laughs> yep. would go to your stomach, like, yeah, I did it. You know, right. like, yeah. but you can only do one on the bike, kind of. I guess you could do two. I mean, like nowadays, but back then it seemed like one hand off the bars was enough. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> unless you were, you know, RJ doing the fit, you know, the, the, raised, the raised hands. But if you pumped your fist hard enough, raising your hands, you'd probably come off the seat. Yeah. Yep. You know, you'd be done. So you'd be doing a deke in there. So, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we don't want that. Unintentionally, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. Good race. Just the fans enjoyed it, and it's cool to still. It's still fun to watch. You know, you pop it up on oh. YouTube, and you're looking at something. It's like, oh, let me look at it again. And then, as soon as you start it, you can't stop it. You got to watch the whole damn twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, because the action never stops. There's literally exactly. Like, and then a lot of times you're like, yeah. oh shit, I didn't know that happened. Or I don't, yes. God, I don't even remember that. You know, and you're just like, all these things come back, like going, wow, yeah, that was a. It was really cold that night too. I remember. Um, it was always freezing in Atlanta because it was at the outdoor stadium there and the baseball stadium. And it was usually either raining or like, you know, ice, icicles hanging off the top of the stadiums. And so I remember it was just really cold, too. So it was kind of a, a memorable night in a lot of ways. I was at Atlanta 89 and it was freezing the year before. Yeah. It was so cold. I tell people that all the time. I'm from Canada and I was frozen. Um, oh, yeah. It was in like the low 20s or the teens or oh, something. And yeah. Wind and you know, you're trying to come out there and stay warm. Your fingers, you know, are just frozen. And, yeah, it was miserable. And then a couple times it was that cold. And, you know, like it, it snowed like the night before, but it didn't rain. But then it got, you know, the skies cleared and it was even colder and wet and muddy. And, yeah, it was, uh, uh, never the, it's, now, now they got smart with the domes. <laughs> it's unbelievable that Guy Cooper never won a Supercross. It, it, we, yeah. We've watched these. And he's leading so many races, and he does. He never won one. It's phenomenal. No, no, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, he deserved to because he was he was a good rider. Just he was a little bit out of control, you know. He was, <laughs> just uh, <laughs> disappointed and shot. Whenever it went, is where he went. You know, there was no timing whatsoever, and uh, it hurt him a lot of races. I think Coliseum he had one, one, two, and maybe RJ got him on the last lap or something. But he's mm. been there. San Jose, you know, when Chicken cleaned them out um, there on the last couple of laps. And that's when Dubok won because they both went down. Yep. And then Dubok. So he could have won that one easy, you know, just as easy as Dubok could have won. So, yeah, it's uh, he deserved to win one for sure. But always gave a, a, a good effort and uh, and always was a good show to watch. Hey, you know, this, this is something I never thought about. But here's a question I have. Okay. So, honestly, you guys are still in the grand history of Supercross. It's still somewhat early days. Like, it wasn't like everybody had training facilities they grew up on or even, right. I mean, in your early days, you didn't have a factory test track even in your early no. Cali days, I wouldn't think, right? Um, it, we got one, I think our first year was in like 82. We first, I think we first built the Supercross track. Right. But yeah, before then, I mean, I I, started, I think my first race was in 78 and on the in the 250 class because they didn't have a white oh, 125. Gosh. So, you know, I got thrown in racing with Bob Hanna, Marty Smith, you know, <laughs> Cars Maker, and you're, you know, 17, 16 years old and yeah, it's just a, a learning curve, but there's nowhere, there was nowhere to ride to, you know, even though there were like big doubles and stuff, but there was just really no small track or tight track and those steep jumps and it was all new. So, so what I, what I, what I think about here with a guy like Cooper is I don't think you'll see this again because you guys were all kind of learning it on the fly. So like now everybody 
has a trainer and a coach, even yeah. you, you work with guys and you have a track and they've done a thousand laps and everybody has different riding styles, but they're all within the window of this is the basics, how you do it. Whereas Cooper, it's completely different than everybody else. I don't know if that would happen again. No. Yeah, I don't think so. The tracks are so like identical now. I mean, every track yeah. we raced, there, there was no, there was no science to building a track. So, <laughs> you know, you came out and it's like, can we jump that? <laughs> it's like, you know, and then if we do that, can we do that? You know, nobody, it was just launched. There was no technical side to it. It was just riding a motorcycle the best you could. And now everything's down to the foot and the inch and the gate, mm -hmm. everything's, they can go. It's just like, you know, if you're a high jumper or whatever, you got a technique and or a swimmer, you use that technique every day. Yep. But we didn't have that. You came to the track and it was like, I've never seen that. I've never seen that. So it's like, oh my God, look at those hoops. Are those hoops or jumps? You know, what are they? And then they then they did those ones like coffin pits. They made them all square. It was like a hoop section made of like two feet square. They weren't even round at the top. Yeah. It was like two feet across, two feet deep. Two feet, and you, the bike, it was like putting your bike on a, a you know milk crate every time you dropped your feet and you know, your wheels in there. And you had, sort of, Lachine broke his wrist, I think, in 85. You know, oh, so he, well. could, he could skate them and then he cartwheeled. So. Uh, was there something, Atlanta, the year before, I don't think you raced in 89. You were still coming back from injury, right? Uh, uh, yeah, you weren't in that one, I don't think. Uh, no, no, number five. Yeah, I can't remember what. Uh, yeah, I think you came back right after that. Okay, but that was a really good race. And then this one, obviously, is epic. Uh, is there anything you can think about the dirt or that track layout or even the cold? Is there? Is it just a magical night or was there almost something that you think led to it being so competitive? I think I think the track was a good layout. I mean, Atlanta always was a good layout because the way they ran it around the outside and gave you a lot of room to to go, you know, there wasn't as many tight turns. It seemed mm -hmm. like everything flowed really good. And uh, every year we always had a good race at Atlanta. We always liked the track that I remember. I mean, I always remember liking the track. And yeah, the right. dirt had that, you know, Georgia wasn't quite clay but it was a little loose and um always had good berms and it wasn't the normal concrete stuff that we'd always run on like dallas and stuff so it was always enjoyable to ride just because it you know but yeah i think the layout helped to that race just the flow was good nothing was real you know risky the hoops were pretty decent so you know back then we never had really there wasn't a lot of stuff that uh you couldn't do you know like nowadays you miss a rhythm you miss the next two sections you know going and or it changes up. There were nothing really was ever like that. You could always do everything unless you really made a bad mistake. Atlanta had to triple out of that corner where I made my pass. Yeah. Um, yep. That I, I couldn't do when I did it. So, you know, that's like, like that kind of deal. So there was, uh, everything was pretty makeable, but I think the track just was pretty, uh, RJ, RJ was making the the double inside work pretty good for him too early in the race. Yeah, yeah, he tuck inside yeah, and just yeah. double and let launch out, and then there was that little wall thing mm -hmm. or whatever over before the little word uh, where Bradshaw before the start. One of the, Wardy, a couple things for me. Did you, did you like the ninety Cowie? Radically different bike, uh, eighty eight, eighty nine. Good bikes. You won a lot of on on them, and of course the perimeter frame. Did you yeah. like that thing? Yeah, I mean there was always little struggles with everything. Um, I'm always pretty good to adapting to stuff and changing stuff to make it comfortable. And like I said, you know, in Supercross, even back then, it wasn't like the most critical thing to have this, you know, the way it is now with suspension, holding it up to the hoops and how stiff it had to be. And yeah, a little more leeway of making, you know, getting away with things back, mm -hmm. back then. And, but yeah, there was always different feelings with turning and, you know, the, the, the geometry was a little stiffer and just kind of progressed, you know, and, um, 
still, but anything anything on a 250 was always easy compared to riding the 500. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> it didn't matter. Right. You hang on to the 500 outdoors, got to the 250, little things didn't bother you so much. So, sure. Um, yeah, it was good. There were good bikes. I mean, that's, we had a, everybody knows. I mean, Kawasaki struggled when they went to the production role. Mm-hmm. I mean, that really hurt kind of kawasaki they seem to always be behind the curve or you know our bikes just got good in 84 and 85 when i was winning and then we went to production and honda had a great bike and you know, i think even yamaha had a good bike too so um it was just a little bit tougher and then we came around the bikes got good you know we had a good 500 and also the 250 was a you know was a good bike for quite a few years but um yeah i don't remember too much of the difference between the 89 and 90 too much um, also, so one of the things that Wygan and I were talking about why we love this season and this race was you had, you know, O'Mara and you and RJ, like an old guard, Stanton, the defending champion, kind of in the middle, Cooper right. kind of in the middle, but then you had Kudrowski, Bradshaw, Chicken, LaRocco, like an incredible rookie season. And, right. and you know, the, the announcers played it up, the, the old guard versus the young guard, and like, what do you remember? Like, do you remember thinking like, oh, like, you know, obviously you wouldn't win another Supercross title after uh, 88, but were you thinking like, hey, this is, I can beat these kids? Like, did, did you remember thinking like, oh, I got the hands full with these dudes? Because you were still in 90, you know, you're still the guy, right? Um, all yeah, that. we're you, still winning races, yeah, still winning championships. Do you, um, do you remember thinking like these kids, oh, they, 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 these guys are, A, they're very aggressive, and B, like I still got them? Yeah, I mean, there's a mixture of things. Um, I, I always felt like I still had them just on a long game, mm-hmm. you know, yep. um, championship-wise. Uh, maybe not an outright speed or outright craziness, you know, whatever. And um, But, yeah, you know, with Chicken, you know, I, I trained, you know, Robo Chicken, so I knew his potential. Mm-hmm. You know, you knew Bradshaw. Um, just, yeah, I, you always had to – that was my whole thing is, like, you always had to step up to the next level, you know. Somebody's always coming for your job. And, um training changed you know got you know harder and harder i mean i was always definitely one of the hardest training guys but Mm -hmm. um they caught up you know but when you're you know 28 29 and there's a 17 year old in there he's not even (laughs) trained he's not even training you know he's just in that great a shape just of off of his you know youth and doesn't have the injuries so there's just there's so many things involved to be able to be competitive with somebody coming in like that and i mean that's why today you even look at the guys that are you know are up in their 30s still being competitive and against you know sexton and guys coming in like that it's pretty crazy too because they've had a lot of years and it wears you out you know yeah and, and not even the you know physical the mentally of just putting yourself in that position that many times to to, to go for it and get away with it and yeah. it catches up you know and then that then you can just tell where it flips you know and all of a sudden that new guy's the guy just because there is a page in there that turns it somewhere in your brain or body and you still want to be there and still want to do it, but it's just not coming as easy or as much as it should. And then, you know, then you start thinking, what am I going to do next? <laughs> <laughs> but on that topic, one thing I will always say about you, I, I think about you, maybe Johnny also, uh, or even RJ still racing stuff. Everybody gets to this point and they're like, man, I'm burned out. I feel like, do you guys even know what that word means? I feel like you're still ridiculously competitive. Like, did you ever get over anything like where you didn't want to do it anymore? Well, the only thing you get over is you're not competitive anymore. Like, you know, you're not winning, I should say. Right. Um, that's the whole thing. It's like you get to a point where, 
yeah, I won. I won a, a, a national my last year. You know, my second to last national, the 500. I won uh, at Steel City. Um, so I was capable of winning races, but you just kind of know. You know, you weren't doing it as much, and it became more. Um, you were more discouraged and bombed most of the races than you were feeling good. You know, it wasn't you were bummed because you got beat competitively, and you just didn't do it. You got beat because the guys are better, you know, they're just stronger. There's, you just can't get there anymore. So, you know, that winning is just not coming. So you go, okay, what can I do next that, you know, maybe I, I can win at, you know, whether, you know, that's putting like a cage on, you know, guys go truck racing and they can be they're They're at least on an even playing field and they have in their brain that they're competitive and they can win. Um, it's just not fun going out to a race knowing that, you know, you can't, you can't win. You're just going to do your best. And that's not how my brain works or Johnny's or Ricky's or, so you just keep going and find, trying to find that, <laughs> that sport that you feel that you can win in. Now, now mine's like age group and cycling, you know, because I'm, <laughs> I'm 61 years old and I race against 60-year-olds, you know, or 55 because there's classes 50 and up. But, um, yeah, I still have that feeling that I, I have the chance to win and that gets you out there to put the effort in and, you know, win some races. So Yeah, but your competitive part, you had to change classes maybe or change disciplines. Right. But you right. never, you've never been like, dude, I'm tired of – no stuff no i can't change too late (laughs) (laughs) i I don't know what to do if i'm not doing i mean i I drive down the road still and see hills like you know looking at a road going man that'd be cool to go try to climb down my mountain bike you know it's like there's always a challenge like guys anybody ever done that hill yeah so it's just like in the brain just to like challenge you know just to see what you can do and i just think that's what you know as champions that's why stanton's got it you know rj bailey all the guys today, you know, they all have sex that's just in their blood of like winning is the bottom line. And, and, um, that gets you out the door every day and, and going, but there's a time it, it, you know, it settles down in that sport, but then they're going to find something and it doesn't have to be any racing too. It can be, there's guys that are managers. It's just, you know, that you're working yeah. for a team that need, that wants to win. You got that winning fire, There's you know, um, that just, they're there every day wanting putting that effort in for you to win you know if you're the rider but it's still that passion's there so there's a lot of people that have that but um it's hard to get rid of when you're in that type of <laughs> mode. We, look how many guys try to walk away and think that they're tired of it right and then like yeah. right like they, they they can't really get rid of it no it's hard he just needs <laughs> he needs to find something that he can whether it's i mean i know he's a great cyclist i know he's i mean stuff he just needs to find something that he can move because because damn man the sport's too dangerous you know, yep. for, I, I, he did amazing. I mean, it was, ab- I was absolutely blown away that he wrote, I, you know, I, I wasn't, I kept my lip zipped when <laughs> everything, you know, when he was coming back, cause I would be like thinking to myself, like, dude, there's just no way I've ridden, you know, a couple of years after I retired and there's just no way I could hang on, but he never stopped. You know, nobody really knew how much he did. I didn't you know, do that much. So, mm-hmm. uh, until supermoto and got riding again a little more, but yeah, he did unbelievable how strong he was. And, um but it's i mean it's so hard and he didn't win so i'm sure that you know popped a bubble there so now he needs to find something he can win at and he'll you know he's a he's an amazing guy uh wardy <laughs> one of the when i look back at 90 and and everything else you were and maybe and correct us if we're wrong let, let the records uh be corrected here but i don't think you and damon ever got into it i think you were maybe the one guy that didn't get pissed off at bradshaw this year I got, or the, or the, or yeah no i mean i got pissed off him at one, uh, one time I okay think it was in uh <laughs> um 
Detroit. I, I I don't think it was anything he did. Well, he did take me out. He tried to take me out in the first turn. There's a video where Stanton was leading. I made a mistake. He came under. Mm-hmm. I went, and he just came straight in, wide open, clipped the hay bale, and then nailed me. But I hit the brakes hard enough to where he kind of missed me a little bit. And okay. I went off the track. I flipped him <laughs> off and then kept going. Oh, okay. I don't so think you I did get into I it with think, him. Good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but then I got into it with him. I think he got in it with, with chicken um, at one point. And then I went over there, to, you know, to be like the, the you know, the, the dead hand yeah, or whatever to yeah. go over and protect my teammate. So I, he went chicken. Was I just went over to, to he was in the Yamaha pits just to yell at him, and we kind of went at it, and that was about it. But, oh, okay, wow. So yeah, they're, they're, cool. okay. Well, so I, let it let it be known that you did indeed get into it, Bradshaw. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Bradshaw Bradshaw was a little bit like Hannah. He didn't like anybody. Right. So, right. Um, you know, you just knew that from the get go. There wasn't going to be no. No conversation. There was going to be nothing you could uh, talk to him about, <laughs> or or put your opinion about, because he was going to be right, and that was it. So it was kind of worthless to even you know do anything. Right, but right. Uh, I did a couple times. Yeah, we got into it a little. Okay. Bit. All right. Never mind then. Yeah. I, uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this. I want to take it all the way back to this race. Um, when it was over, okay, that was awesome, the fist pump, and it all hit you at once, as you said. Mm-hmm. Did you have an idea of how good this race was, and this is historic, uh, or did that take years to realize? Or did you know that night, like, wow, that's an amazing one? Um, yeah, kind of. It was kind of, mm-hmm. I mean, in my brain, because I knew how far I came. I think uh, other people got were surprised more than me because, you know, they didn't see me. Even, like, you know, Ricky and, the, like, I wasn't in their their – Mm-hmm. vision for the whole race you know they were worried about it and then all of a sudden this green fender pops in and i don't even think they saw me coming or maybe they thought it was chicken and or kurdowski because he went down and they didn't know it you know so they were kind of shocked that it was me that came by them and not kurdowski or somebody or because i was nowhere in the picture so uh but yeah I, I mean it was just kind of like you know even in the the, the team truck and all that it was just you know you could tell it was the kind of electricity in the okay. air and, yeah so yeah, I could, you can kind of tell it was a big deal because there's not too many last lap passes and Supercross. You know, I did two, one in each lap. You know, and sometimes there's some really good races, but it normally settles before that. And I know I've had some a couple of decent decent ones with Johnson and and uh, Stanton on last lap stuff. So, uh, but it was just kind of to me anyway. But it just seemed like yeah, it was kind of a the crowd was pretty crazy. So you can still remember that. Before, yeah, that's awesome. Before we asked you uh, which race you wanted to do, Weege and I were kicking around which races we thought, and Weege brought mm-hmm. up 89 Dallas, which is a good race between you and, and Stanton. 89 yeah, Dallas. Yeah, that was yep. that where Stanton threw away the yep. bike in the tunnel yep. coming yep. out. Yeah, yep. Yep. yeah, that was a good Yeah, we went back and forth that race. I, like, jumped over his head mm-hmm. and, like, went on to the start straight. Our start straight, yeah. He, yep. he went inside, I went outside, and, like, jumped over him almost. And, yeah, we went down uh, a whole rhythm section, like, side by side, just – and he hit me in the corner before. Yeah, it was a good race too. And I mean, supercross wise, yeah, that was probably one of them. I can't remember any other ones that were. Here, um, here's um, here's a here's a quote from Cooper. I broke the top five on the start, and I was riding real aggressive. Uh, no shit, guy. Um, Cooper said, <laughs> "A lot of times I could have fallen down, but I didn't." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that that could be Cooper's quote for any Supercross yeah. he ever did, right there. Pretty, pretty much every race. Yeah, that was, uh... I was riding really aggressive. A lot of times I could have fallen down, but I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and the other fifty percent of the races, you could have said a lot of times I could have fallen down, and I did. So yeah. that, that that's and all you. Yeah. Right, right. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think he probably could have fallen down pretty much about every race he raced. I think, right. and still. 
and the outdoors too, and even still won, you know, yep. probably won a race or two. But um, um, so yeah. Denny Stevenson tells a story, and I think it's this race, Atlanta ninety, that the cow, no one was around for Suzuki. They weren't exactly a very unified team back in the day. And the, the Cowie guys, uh, Roy, Turner, and Chicken, and, and you, and everybody took him to a strip club uh, after this race. Do, is that true? Do you, do you confirm or deny this? No, I confirm it. Okay. Right. I think it was uh, Cheetah 3 or something. Okay. So All right. Yeah. And, okay. But I, I got to say, though, it, it was pretty much more Chicken's idea. Oh, okay. imagine that. Shocking. Maybe maybe Turner. Turner was probably pretty keen, keen to go. But right. I, I probably got drug along more for the, you know, just the yeah. fact that I was probably the designated driver or something on the way home. Yeah. Yeah, he said that his team was all gone, and you guys are like, hey, Wardy won. Let's go. You're yeah. with us this let's, night. Let's yeah. go. Right. Yeah, so no, that was, I remember that. I, I can't quite remember it, but I remember it, though. So yeah. I can, uh, yeah. I can test that it. it definitely was uh... – <laughs> We had to sneak them. I mean, we had to sneak them. I mean, we're all. I mean, I was old enough, but shoot, they weren't. I don't yeah, think. Yeah. And Chicken was still young, and well, I don't know. Man, they're probably in their like mid twenties. They're probably in their early twenties, so I think they were all right. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate the honesty. The statute of limitations is up. Yeah, I'm yeah, like thirty yeah. years later. Yeah, that was the norm back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah there, there we go. Well, it was funny though to hear that because, like, obviously, you guys were so gnarly. There's also stories of you guys doing triathlons at home. Sunday after a Supercross. Yeah. So, yeah. An interesting mix. Yeah, Osho did the LA Marathon after Daytona. Um, God. Like you did a marathon hours. after Daytona? Yeah, like two hours and 50 minutes or something. That was his time. So, <laughs> I, wasn't as, I wasn't as good a runner. But, yeah, we, that's what we did, you know. I mean, on the off-seat, I love cycling and running. So, it was always a – I didn't like triathlon so much because I wasn't a great swimmer. But mm -hmm. the run-bike run was always – perfect and the distance was always you know like a three mile and a 20 mile and three miles so it was, wasn't gonna tear you apart but it was just fun to see your time and and stuff like that but yeah i mean i never drank i don't drink never have so i was always going along for the i was always the one that at least remembered what happened the night before yeah so yeah i could get the story straight Lee at Re-Raceables, Atlanta 90. Uh, what a night for Jeff Ward. The Wardy fist pump, the incredible come from behind ride. And, yeah, like you said, Wardy, uh, a lot of things had to happen for you to win this race. Uh, Coop and, and Kudrowski and Bradshaw and that line in the whoops you found that was great. Um, yeah, it was a, a real, real uh, confluence of events to help you um, take the win. But a, a, an absolute barn burner, amazing ride for sure. Um, last one for me. Did you, at this point, you know, obviously RJ breaks the wrist in 89. He's your rival. I mean, you and him are yeah. 1A and 1B for the best riders in the world multiple years in a row. He breaks his wrist in 89. Uh, he comes back. He's not the same guy. He never won another Supercross after that. And he almost gets this one, but, you know, kind of fades towards the end. At this time in 90 or 91 when he hangs it up, are, are, are you A, feeling bad for him, and B, does he confide in you things? I mean, he, he's told us on shows, you know, he broke down in tears. He, he was jealous of Stanton. It was a real rough time for him. He went from, you know, yeah. uh, do, do you, are you can, are you talking to him at this point or are you feeling bad for him? Anything like with you well, interactions with you and Rick? Well, probably a lot of people don't know when he broke his wrist in Atlanta, we raced at Daytona the next week, right? He would, he went, I, um, 
I believe he went to Daytona, or I mean, when he broke his wrist, he was in Daytona. He was Gaines, it was Gainesville, the, Gainesville the week Gaines, before. The Gainesville. Then we yep. had Daytona. Sorry, I was stuck on Atlanta here. Um, Gainesville National mm -hmm. broke it. Then we went to you know I write. Well, I don't even know how I did that day, but I went and visited him in the hospital in Daytona when he was in there. So wow. I went to I went to see him, and Lunas was there, and you know we talked for a while, and I didn't know how bad it was. You know, yeah. I just heard it was pretty bad, so. You know, we drove over and I went in there and saw him. So, yeah, we, you know, we were rivals, definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but we we respect, I mean, he'll he'll tell you that I'm the guy that he put the face on the dartboard, you know, and that's what gets you up in the morning. You know, I'm the same way. It's like, yeah, I know Osho or Ricky or whoever's out doing something, you know, you just, and you go, you just make yourself do everything. Um, it was just, he was just a motivational, he raised, you know, raised the bar and that raised my bar and just kept kept going but we had great respect because we worked really well together in the nations um he's always a team player so yeah i felt bad you know and um that somebody got taken you know I, th at the time though we didn't know how bad it was going to be i've broken my ankles and missed races and mm -hmm. wrists and you know and whatever but you know i just felt like i just need you know it was just a bummer that you know he got taken out like that and it was and uh, so and then you know after that, you found out that, you know, kind of was going to be a career ending deal. I mean, he did come back and win a couple races and, um, but definitely ruined his career that one accident. So, um, yeah, it was a tough time and I felt bad for him for sure. Okay. He so, yeah. would have, he would have won more races and I probably wouldn't won as much. So <laughs> I still, he had still had good years to go left in him. And, um, yeah, it's just kind of fate sometimes, but yeah, I felt bad for him for sure. Uh Interesting to hear that. Yeah, it was cool. I remember when you guys, because your your paths have crossed here and there, like uh, Mickey Thompson series and all that. And I always thought it was cool. And Steve, you mentioned this too, that even though you were rivals, it was like you always had this respect for each other. And then when you end up in the same pathway again, it was like reunion time. Yeah. I mean, we just raced trucks last year together in Nashville. And, um, you know, we have a lot of respect and he'll we'll just randomly call each other or if you hear something that, I'm going through or he, you know, he had his surgery and, you know, we always keep touch and, um, you know, it's like, Hey, if you ever need anything, brother, just give me a call. And, you know, cause there's just so much things that goes on in racing and life and just, you know, yeah. all this stuff. So it's always, you know, it's just nice to have somebody that if you wanted to call and ask a question or something, or just to say, Hey, what's going on? That's, we still keep in touch. So same with Osho. I talked to him a couple weeks ago cause I heard he was going to, do some surgery to his heel or something he's been having because he had his knee replacement a couple of years ago so even though you know we don't we're not every day hanging out anymore um you know we with instagram shoot you you, you feel like you're in everybody's life right I mean, <laughs> it kind of, it's kind of cool in a way it's pretty cool because you you see somebody you haven't seen in 10 years but you felt like you saw him yesterday um that's a good point <laughs> yeah so um it's that's nice in that way we all we all still kind of keep in touch with each other uh, my last thing for you is uh, we, we do see you around, you know, working with riders here and there. Um, is that just, is that for fun or somebody calls you and you're like, yeah, I'd like to be involved? Or are you, I don't get the sense that you're like actively looking for full-time work or traveling every weekend, but you, we do see you yeah. in and out. So so where would you say you are with the sport these days? Like you're not a team manager guy, but you're not right. out either. Yeah. Um, I mean, all the stuff I, I've kind of really worked with people, I they've always come to me. I've never... I'm never, I'm not out there going, Hey, you want me to train you? You know, here, da, 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 da. I'm not out beating the 
bush is trying to find somebody even like when you know when anderson called me jason out of the blue through my son he was at paris and asked what i was doing and could i do some help and i'm like yeah i like the kid i've known the kid since many bikes yeah i'll see what i can do and he's I can only pay you this. I'm like, I don't want, it's not fine. Don't worry about it. It's not that, you know, it's not about the money. I want to, I want to see you win races. You know, I can run, I want to help you. It's been kind of that way the whole time. It was the same with kind of Shimoto when, you know, Lucas came, you know, they won't look him and I'm, I wasn't training anybody at the time. And it's like, yeah, the kid's great. I think he could be, you know, really good. And, and I just give him, you know, get him on the, the way of like, maybe it's too much, too fast sometimes, but I try to pull back and realize, you know, I'm almost on the side of caution anyway. If you're tired, okay, we're done um they got a lot of time to push through stuff so yeah i'm not really out beating them. you know i worked with jet Reynolds because they called me and you know and a couple other guys with rider d a little bit because they, they're in bakersfield and, but i just like helping kind of more of the younger guys coming up that um you know the top guys have been there they've done that you're just kind of a somebody to bounce stuff off of really when you get to there and you know they know what to do and they have their motivators and their people that get them out there so um you can't really, I don't know what more you could really give them except, you know, some advice on maybe some things not to do. <laughs> I don't know, but the younger guys are fun. Um, I've also gone back East a few times. I had a kid that I was working with. His dad would fly me back for three or four days. We were at a camp place back there and, you know, they pay for the camp, but the camp would let me come in and kind of work with him on the side without, you know, disturbing anything. And I, I, I enjoyed doing that with, you know, somebody that's young like that, just to kind of, uh, you know, show them here's kind of a small part of what it takes. So they, they're a little bit prepared when they get there and it's not culture shock when, you know, they head to a real camp and figure out that they're not prepared. Cool. It's good right to have on. you still around. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's awesome. Morty. Thanks for the time for this Lee at re-raceables no Atlanta way. 90. Always appreciate talking to you. Uh, we're going to try to get you in Pulpamex studio at some point and we'll go on. A, yeah. I'm pretty close. Yeah. I'm pretty close. We'll to, go on a mountain bike ride, but I'm going to ride the one with the assist and you can ride the one. Yeah. That just works. No, on the I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't get caught riding those battery. <laughs> 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 well, I'll, I'll suffer and, and die out in the desert before. <laughs> Um, and it won't be with a battery bike. So. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll figure that out. But I'm going to yeah, take no, the battery I, I, one. I'll take the battery no, I've one. I've ridden out there quite a bit a few times. Yeah. So I, I, it's great out there. It's, it's depending on the time of the weather. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, but, yeah, no, that, that'd be fun. Love to come in there. Plus, I want to see the high ceilings in that house. So. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Here, so we about, Here we go. Here we go. There's some sweet, wordy stuff. I'll, I'll say that. Is there? Awesome, oh, cool. Oh, yeah. There's a... Uh, is that, a, is that a Southwick photo? No, Gainesville photo that you got. Gainesville, yeah. Like a big poster. Yep. Oh, cool, cool. Uh, awesome. Oh, yeah. uh, thanks, yeah, Morty. So really appreciate the time. You got it, guys. And, thanks a lot. Uh, yep. Talk to you soon. Okay. Take care. Good stuff from Jeff Ward. And, yes, Weege, confirming the strip club uh, story from Denny <laughs> Stevenson. I love the unfilteredness. Didn't didn't confirm or did You gave him a chance to not confirm or deny, and he just went right there. Yep. I love it. Yep. Yep. That's what's great about these dudes. Um, I'm going to sum this race up like this. Uh, you know, again, Ward endorsing it means a lot. Last lap pass, actually going from third to first in the last two laps means a lot. But uh, if you go back and watch it, everybody, just type in Atlanta 90 on YouTube. On the 10th lap of a 20-lap main, the top 10 are on the same straightaway. Yeah. Uh, can your Supercross race do that? I don't believe that has ever happened before. Or since yeah. I know the mid eighties, there were a lot of different winners. You know, I think in 85, no one even had a two race win streak, but I've watched those races. They're not always bar a different guy wins every week, mm -hmm. Steve, but they're not always 
unbelievable battles. It's just inconsistent who's best week in and week out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, this one, 10 guys, top 10, half the field on the same straightaway at the halfway mark of the race. I've never seen it in any other Supercross race. You know what's ironic, too, is we, we mentioned to um, off the top of the show that 86 Anaheim is a uh, an all-timer, and it is. It's great, Bailey mm-hmm. and Johnson. Uh, also, Jeff Ward factors into that one, too, in the fact that he's the defending Supercross champion, breaks a throttle cable, and back then you had to finish a certain uh, a spot or higher in the heat races to make the semi-races. If you had a bad heat race, you were just done, and that was Jeff Ward. He did not make the main event as a defending champion uh, uh, in 86 Anaheim, which turned out to be an epic race. And might Crazy. have not been as epic if Wardy had lined up. I mean, he's the defending champion, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you'll never know. The defending champ is out, although, as Ward does tell us there, that would have been the first race on the production Cowies. Yeah. I don't know if he would have been there with those guys Yeah, uh, on that yeah. bike. No, we'll see. Fair, fair, we'll, fair point. Yeah. All right, uh, uh, but yeah, it's amazing and um, my favorite race ever. And I didn't even need to watch it back, like I said, but I decided to do it during this call, and I'm, my mind is still blown. I cannot believe how close these guys are. It's the whole great. Way. Yeah, it's it's yep. it's simply amazing. Um, also, too, looking at the results, uh, first guy to not make the main event, John Dowd, some guy named John Dowd, no 250 way. LCQ. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he gets the gas card. He gets the Racer X gas card on the night, and. Uh, Shout out to my buddy Shane Drew, Honda's own uh, fellow Canadian. He's at the race. He doesn't make the main event either. I texted him for some memories of this night, and he said that was a long time ago, and then he never replied again. So that was it. Um, <laughs> this also, is a crew chief at, at Honda right now, still. Guy named Chuck Reed out there on a Cowie. Don't know who Chuck Reed is, but in the 125 race. Shout out to Chuck Reed. Uh, Chuck right. Reed, no, re- no relation? Well, who knows? Maybe. Maybe. Okay, is he Australian? Uh, you never know. Uh, <laughs> Liat, re-raceables. Thanks to Liat.com. If you want a discount from the folks at Liat, uh, send us an email using the contact form on pulpmex.com. Liat, re-racing categories for 1990 Atlanta. Uh, Weech, who really won the race? Um, the sport won the race. Can I do that? Sure. Congratulations, Jeff Ward. You won, but... The sport got uh, one unforgettable night, and like I said, if every race could be like this, we'd all be millionaires. Guy Cooper really won the race. I know he doesn't oh. have it. I know he, he has the most laps led in this thing. Uh, he was he he stalled it. He passed himself back into the lead, passed himself into the lead off the start, stalled it, passed himself back into the lead off the start, led the most laps. Guy Cooper really won the race. Unfortunately, the record books don't say so. But yeah, Guy Cooper. Um. Who's that guy award? Well, there's a couple of um, there's a couple of guys that could cover that in this one. Um, mm-hmm. do, 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 do. I like uh, well, when you go to like I mean again, I, I know these guys like you know I know everybody or some of them, but Roland Diepold, 18th <laughs> in the 250 main event. He's a German GP rider, and again Germany not known for Supercross riders. Uh, before Ken Roxon. Um, but yeah, somehow Roland Diepold, who's a just a German GP rider, you know, just never really did much in GPs, a few top fives. I don't think he ever won a GP, but he's a top 10 guy for a long time. I didn't know Roland Diepold did any supercross races, and I don't know why he made the main, main event over guys like Treadwell and Keith Johnson on John Dowd. Um, but he did. Shout out to Roland Diepold. <laughs> So this is interesting, because uh, I watch all these races on TV. They did mention Diepold uh, a couple times during the year, 
and because this is this is not the thing at this point. Like we've seen plenty of Europeans come over, either live here and race full time, or just do the first few and go back and do their GP schedule. But back then, this didn't happen. So this kind of stuck out, and they would mention him on TV here and there. Very likable German rider. Um, but I only heard of him from these couple Supercross races. You actually had heard of Roland Diaz? Oh, yeah. Yeah, GP. Really? From yeah. GPs? Absolutely. Yeah. He, he made, wow. He made the results quite a bit. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so I do remember him from that. But uh, now looking back at it and the fact that no one was doing this. I mean, JMB was just starting now, and that's what started it. So Diaz actually was on the very, very, very front end of this trend. It was pretty impressive that he was making mains. Absolutely. It must have been blowing people's minds. I agree. Like when you look at the guys that not making mains and Roland's in the mix. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And also to give you an idea how close the field is, uh, he's getting lapped pretty late. And what does he get? What is he? 18th or something? 18th. Yeah. It's like they barely lapped anybody. You know, I'm going to look up his, his Racer X vault right now because I am now wanted to see if Roland. Now you're really intrigued. Well, he, uh, he, uh, he was definitely raced, I think, you know, the first rounds before the GPs began. So probably right up until about here, like January, February. Uh, races. So, Diapold, you're going to go with um, who's that guy? Is that what you're going to go with? He got 18th in Atlanta. He got 11th at Gainesville. Much better outdoor guy. Shocking. Uh, so, yeah. just missed the top 10 in, the, in a Gainesville. And then he got 19th in the main event in Daytona. And also an outdoor race that you would not be surprised that Roland Diapold did well at. So, three main events slash point scoring races for Roland Oh, Diepold so this is the only actual stadium traditional race. Well, Daytona and Gainesville. Well, this is the only regular one he made. He made, yes, yeah, yeah. So I'm, when they mention him on TV, he must just be in heats LCQs, and LCQs, yeah, yeah. but right. not not making it. Right. Um, I thought he had made more. Um, yeah, there there isn't anyone in the 250 main that I haven't heard of. You know, Dennis Hawthorne, Cliff Palmer, uh, Brian McElroy. They're all known guys. Those mm-hmm. are the guys that rounded out the field. Uh, so I'll go 125 to find someone I literally do not know. Uh, Bobby J. Man, 16th. Hold on, First you don't know, know. J Man? It's 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 J Man. That, oh, Bobby J Man is J Man. No, uh, on Cycle News it says J Bobby Man. Oh, really? But you've heard of J Man? I have. I didn't know. I didn't know Bobby J Man was J Man. Well, on Cycle News it's J Bobby Man. So, <laughs> are you looking at the vault? Where are you looking at that? Uh, race race results, which okay. which should attach to the vault. Well. Yeah, it's a, it should say J Man. Little known fact. You want to know a little known fact about J Man? Oh. Okay. I race J Man. Oh, he, Bobby J Man, J Bobby Man. I race J J Bobby Man. Uh, <laughs> he worked me. Uh, Atlanta '88. Uh, no, sorry. Um, Atlanta. Yes, '88. No, wait. Where did I race him? Not there. Uh, Just two years later, Steve. Yep. 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 Here he is, 1990. Well, I remember he was sponsored by Answer, I believed, and he looked sweet on a Kawasaki. Like, all his gear looked awesome, and I was super intimidated lining up next to him. And, yeah, I never saw him again after the gate dropped. Wow. Yep. Uh, yeah, he's he's Bobby J-Man in the Racer X vault, um, but we'll have to see. Maybe he's actually J-Bobby. Timmy's got J-Man stories. Well, he's from Jacksonville, Florida. Mm-hmm. Yep, Timmy's, so, got, Timmy's uh, got J-Man stories. Price. Uh, but you can also go with Michael Stallman last in the 125 main event. I don't know anything about Michael Stallman. No, I've never heard of him. Yep. yep. Right. Uh, everybody else heard of here and there. Um, so maybe we'll just need Seth Rarick, who would <laughs> probably isn't even born yet. He would tell know us all about. Yeah. Yes. 
Michael yep. Stallman. Yep. Uh, all right, Lit Kid Award. What do you What do you got? I'm going to blow your mind, Steve. I know oh. you're not a fan of this. Oh. Um, but I really did enjoy uh, Answer. I think was doing a great job back then, uh, as you say. And I thought the Honda TX10 stuff had like a two year run of being very good. Um, it was a combo. Sometimes it was Answer. Sometimes it was Axo. I'm going to go with Stanton's blue on the red Honda look. Um, I think the TX10 look stuff was good. So when Kudowski was taking Bradshaw out, you you were a fan of that gear? Well, the Stanton ran the reddish, red, silver, red, gray combo mm-hmm. all of 89. Yep. And then Kudrowski, like still had that in 90. I was kind of over it by then. Stanton started coming in and out in blue, blue, and it was a nice change-up. So I'm going to go with Stanton. But, yes, uh, Kudrowski had the same gear, just different colors. All right, I'm going to go with Bradshaw's look. Strong, as oh. always. The Fox stuff, yeah, looked really great. So That uh, is not what I thought. That is not where I thought you were going. Which? Where did you think I was going? Oh, I thought it was going to be Almera's gear for sure. That's my shit kid award. Oh, yes. you said he was going to be mentioned, and yes. I'm like, oh, it's lit kid. No, oh, it's shit kid. I got this way off. I like the answer stuff that had the pads on the thighs. That stuff looked oh, yeah. good, but not mm-hmm. gator print. No one was calling for gator print, Eddie Cole. It was not needed. <laughs> no one was like, hey, you know what? I think if you put some gator, like, what it is, it's the reaction to Pete Fox doing zebras, right? Uh, uh, stuff sold like crazy, looked great. Yeah, and I think yeah. these guys are like, well, zebras are covered. Let's do alligators. Like, no, no, this, <laughs> no, this did not look good. No, it was not not a gator print fan. And it's uh, pink, pink and green, just mm-hmm. to add to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, oh, I really thought when you said Omera's coming up later in the broadcast, uh, I really thought it was going to be for Lidkit. No. No, that not a fan of that stuff. Nope. Um, the blue stuff was okay, but the pink and green, no. And then later on this year, Omera would have mostly pink stuff, Gator pink, uh, uh, with yeah. green Kawasaki on the back of the leg. Stop it. Yep. Just stop it. Uh, Just too nuts. Too, too nuts. nuts. Uh, what do you got for shit kit? Uh, you know, I'm not a. I'm just the JT stuff's never done it for me. I'm not going to take it out on RJ. I feel like for this era, JT gear. RJ looked pretty good, uh, but I, I I never felt that JMB had a good looking kit, so I'm going to go with that. That hurts me that you say that. I actually feel, Steve, I'm going to really drive the knife in deep. When when JMB changed to RS Taihichi gear in uh, what was that for '92? I think when I think wh- he won the '91 title in yeah, JT. Yeah. Right. Yep. I feel like that was an upgrade. Oh wow. He he upgraded by leaving the storied brand for a brand that had never been involved in motocross. And I'm like, that looks better. This is uh, RJ's running the cyborg gear here. RJ with RJ on the leg. And it's the cyborg stuff. Yeah. It looks okay. Uh, by the way, the podium shot in Cycling Lose, they're all got jackets on. Like, they all got heavy jackets on. Oh, yeah. But, man, to have one of those jackets now, like the shiny twill. You know, uh, people at home, you know, when you had, like, a baseball card or a sticker where you could tilt it and it was a hologram and it would have two different um, photos depending on the light? And then you could scratch your hand across it like a rapper, like with a, a record. You know what I'm talking about, Steve? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's what those jackets of that era felt like. They were like made of scratchy hologram. And to have one of those jackets now, someone's probably selling one on eBay right now. Oh. A 90. Uh, dude. Oh, you don't understand. Big box. You don't. Uh, I was just up in Winnipeg, and my brother still has the AXO shiny twill jacket. Oh. Yep. Oh, yep. Still- I'm not a guy that spends money. I don't know if you know that, but yeah. I would at least think about it. Okay. That's, All a, right. bad, that's a bad look right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, there we go. Uh, that is the uh, Shit Kid Award, Lee at Where's JT? Next category. Well, 
We know he was at Atlanta 89. He was jumping up and down. I thought he was jumping up and down to this one. Was this the one he's jumping up and down? This is the one, yeah, because RJ's almost going to win. Oh, I thought it was. Well, RJ almost won 89 too, but um, okay. Yeah, but this is a bigger deal. RJ had won everything yeah. by 89. So what point, uh, you have the YouTube open in front of you? What what's the timestamp on a young JT doing doing cartwheels or, or windmills? Um, yeah, there, the problem is there's two there's two legs, so I don't know which one. I'll have to tell you which one. Yeah, um, there's a. But I've you, looked. You cannot see him, but I guess he's down on the floor, right? You can see him. Allegedly. I've seen him. No way. I've have. seen him. Yes, he's on the yes he's on the floor. You can see JT cheering RJ on at 12 years old. Absolutely, he's got a camel supercross jacket on because <laughs> why not put your kid. You know, in a cigarette-sponsored jacket. Um, yes. Yeah, he. That's why I. I um, we'll have to do some. Uh, we're gonna have to do some research, and maybe we'll put it on our social uh, and and give you a timestamp of when JT is doing. I thought it was Atlanta '89, but he's around. Oh no! Yeah, he's around. Yeah, I I always believe this was the one where he's. I think that triple that RJ eventually starts going double single over is anywhere he supposedly is. Um, that's what I was always I was always looking for him there. Maybe I was looking in the wrong spot. Yeah, he. Yeah. I think it's Atlanta '89. We'll have to we'll we'll we'll, we'll ask JT. Okay. But he's there. All right, hundred percent chance he's here. He may be on the video. We'll get we'll look into oh, that. Cindy is scoring. He has to go. It's relatively in motocross terms close to Florida. Yeah, he's there for sure. Yep. Uh, yep. the Jacob Marsak Award for the guy who did the best that you don't really remember. Roland Diopold would definitely could definitely get this for just making the main event. Um, GP riders back in 1990, not known for supercross skills. And just judging by the guy that got 11th at Gainesville the week later, you know he's <laughs> pretty bad dude outdoors. But uh, you you could go Roland Depold at 18th. I will. Uh, I will. Uh, this might be a little surprising, but when I open the results to look back at this race, which I've watched a million times, I'm like, is this a typo? I did not know that in this unbelievable loaded field, top 10 being on the same straightaway, halfway to the race. Mike Fisher gets eighth. Yeah. Good yeah. job by you, Mike Fisher. Yeah. I mean, yep. Brad Chukajowski took each other out, but he beat them. Um, every other guy that Fisher is around pretty much led this race at one point. That's a good point. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, they're in the mix, Mike right? Fisher. Larry. While Larry yep. gets fifth, Larry Ward you don't see at all, ever. No. At any point, but he gets fifth. No. Nope. Um, and JMB gets fourth. You don't really see him ever either. No, but you're right. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's a good And Fisher's not a factory guy at this point. He's a support dude. So he beats factory riders like Kardowski and like Bradshaw and like Tishner, you know? So Yeah. yeah. He had a few other better results. You know, he had those fourths on KTMs, yep. and then he had the famous uh, San Diego. We should actually call Fisher and ask him. Was it San Diego 89? Yeah. Where he's yep. leading and goes flying off the track? Yep. Uh, yep. This wasn't – I'm not saying this is a career high, but to be in this group, you know, the dudes in front of him and the dudes that are behind him, good on you, Mike Fisher. I have – Tried to get Mike Fisher on the phone. We will not be getting Mike Fisher on the phone. He is. Oh, you're just saying now. It's, it's just the way it's going to be. Yeah, Fisher is not doing any any interviews. For, really? Yeah, it's it's. I don't know if he's not happy the way his team manager uh, role ended there at Cowie or the guy's a, a fountain of knowledge in the sport. Um, I'd love to get him on one of these or, or a one-on-one podcast. And uh, yeah, he's gone. He gone. So. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So will there not be there will not be an eighty nine San Diego reverse? No, no. I have I have had mutual friends reach out and it isn't the, 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 the word is not interested at all. So Oh interesting. Yep. Because a couple times you probably have, I've seen him at races, uh, here and there, 
And uh, I didn't get that impression. Just, hey, what's up? I think he was doing wineries or something. And yeah. he didn't seem like he was. I guess he'll chit-chat. I guess he just doesn't want to do media. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. Um, yeah, so. Yeah. But wow. no, I've seen him too, yeah. But yeah, not uh, not interested in, in talking. But uh, certainly great career. And, uh, you know, of course, he went on to do the R&D for Cowie. And yeah, really smart test rider and, and all of that. So. Uh, yep. All right. Yeah. So I'll go Diopold. You can go Fisher. Uh, the, the, either one works. So yeah. re-raceables, 1990 Atlanta. We just favorite race of all time and, and probably mine. I'm not maybe as uh, dug in as you, but it's an it's an all timer. Absolutely. So, hey, how did you end up not going to this race? Because you did go other years, right? No, I went in 89 to Atlanta. Yes. Uh, that was a, a uh, tr- down to Croom. And then we went to Miami Supercross. We went to Atlanta Supercross. I rode Amateur Day in 89, Atlanta Supercross. Riders meeting. It was before the race. It was Saturday morning, Amateur Day. Yeah, what did you say, 5 a.m.? Yeah, 5 a.m. riders meeting or something. Um, what was the temperature then? Oh, my God. It was so cold, dude. Yeah, it was unbelievable. And, I mean, again, I'm from Canada, so I know cold. Uh, but, yeah. Um, so, yeah, 90, no, 90, I went to California, actually. Yeah, 90, I went to California instead of Florida. So drove down, to, drove down to uh, uh, California to go ride. So, wow. Um, Timestamp. I'm looking at RJ. I'm watching the upload via Heather Majorek's account. Mm-hmm. A lot of the old races are on that YouTube account. And about forty-two twenty-three is when RJ takes the lead with four laps to go. Um, so I believe that's where you would see JT somewhere around there, forty-two twenty-three. But I, I, I've never found him. It, it's uh, there's a tractor in the background. And, okay. and there's a little kid doing freaking out, and that's JT. I think it's Atlanta 89. <laughs> okay, maybe. <laughs> I've seen it. Young JT. Yep. You've seen JT. Yeah. Uh, you got to well, screenshot this. He, he says it's him. I mean, I don't know. It's just a kid freaking out. So, but he, he claims it's him. So Look, Cindy is scoring the races. There's no way that JT isn't taking the trip up in Florida. He's got great pa- passes or access. Why? It all checks out. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, yeah. All right, yeah. I'm going to ask him. Uh, all right, we'll we'll figure it out. Um, are you? Uh, what else are we going to do? What else? Uh, what do we got in the hopper for Elite Reraceables? We just did one with Jeremy McGrath. We're doing this one. Um, if somebody has an idea, send us a, a DM on Instagram. If you have a race that you would like to do, um, we'll we'll certainly get to it um, and try to try to line up the guests as well. Um, I got some ideas too, Weege. So. We'll keep these coming in the off season. Thanks to Liet. Yes. Thank you, Guts Racing, Pro Taper, Scott, Maxis, uh, and, and more uh, for doing this podcast. Thanks, Weege. We have confirmation. Oh. We have confirmation. Oh, wait, wait. It was 1990. When RJ goes to the lead, I lose my shit on the side of the track. 1990, it's in this race, everybody. Where's JT? Right there, Atlanta 90. <sighs> He's in the background. I've seen him. Yeah, I see people going crazy. I just, I, I'm going to have to Zapruder film. Uh, zoom on this what's, to realize. What's one the, of the people, hold on. What what is the what is the minute you said? Uh, about forty two twenty three on the one I'm watching. Forty two twenty three. Yeah. Uh, this is great radio, bro. Um, but worth it. I mean, this is our guy JT, and and I get it. Rick Johnson is leading. I would have been going crazy too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, no. Which I'm is not, shockingly, I'm not, letting this, I'm not letting this show go until I see and pause it. Um, okay. No, it's fine. Uh, another indicator of how while you're watching, I will just kill some time here by explaining. Uh, the timestamp of 42.23, RJ takes the lead from Cooper. Two minutes later, 44.23,
Cooper has repassed Johnson for the lead, and then Ward then passes Johnson and Cooper. All of those passes happened within the course of two minutes. <laughs> that's, a great, that's a great point. Two minutes. RJ takes the lead, loses the lead, loses second. Ward moves all the way around Cooper, take the lead in two minutes. Unreal. And um, I'm going to say we don't have any actual like timing and scoring data from this, but I'm going to look at about five seconds over the finish line between Ward second and third, which yep. would be Cooper and Johnson. That's it's unbelievable. So you're looking for JT now. Well, yeah, that, that's not – that's not. Um, oh, you looked. I looked, and you can't see anybody in the background. You're um, looking for a tractor, right? There's a tractor and a gentleman going um, crazy. I do see a tractor. It's kind of in that corner where Kudrowski takes off. Um, yeah. Bradshaw, that corner has a tractor. Yeah, but 42-23, it's not uh, – it's not on Heather's, Heather's video, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, unless, you know, maybe it's not quite where he takes the lead. Maybe it's a little bit before, a little bit after. Yeah, because it's, uh, it's a uh, – okay, all right. Uh, the, the, Johnson's going from left to right across the screen. Across the screen. Um, all right. I don't know. We'll figure it out, people. We'll, we'll get to the bottom of this and, uh, and get, figure out where JT is. I'm going to look at the line of 89 after we get done here because I, I – Oh, you're not giving up on it. I am not giving up because I've seen him. I've seen him doing windmills and jumping jacks. So, in classic UNJT fashion – you cannot agree on what year he was at the race. <laughs> exactly. you, can, you and JT are going to argue over what year he was. <laughs> this is yet to be determined, everybody. Stay tuned. Okay, when we, it's when, yet to be determined. When All we right. post this race. Elliot, uh, re-raceables. Uh, thanks, Weege. A cliffhanger. We have a cliffhanger, everybody. <laughs> Stay tuned. Thanks. See ya. See ya.